Welcome everybody to the monthly movie dispatch. We get together every month and talk about what movies we've seen, what we recommend, and sometimes what to avoid. What separates us from the other hundred thousand movie-related shows on the internet is that we're high school friends. We've been doing this for ten years, and we're gonna keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it, even if no one's listening. So, uh, we got some great friends here. Um, who do we got? We got Derek Deal and Everett Washington. Hi. Sean Bowlby in Seattle. That's me. And Brandon Bowlby in New York City. How's it going? It's going good. It's going good. Um, I'm just really psyched. We're recording this one kind of late. Um, just to give behind the curtain a little bit, we have kind of uh, combined our December and January episodes together. Uh, they were recording this in the new year. Happy New Year, guys. And uh, it just, it just, such a big time of year for movies and the release schedule was kind of inconsistent for New York and Seattle and blah, blah, blah. So we gave, we wanted to give us all time to see all the movies that were coming out this time of year. So this will be our last episode of the movie season. So uh, we're going to go over what movies came out, what we're psyched about. And then our next episode will be our big end of the year finale, top 10 episode I think it's safe to say our favorite episode that we record every year. So, um, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, we're going to each say our favorite movie. Um, uh, I should mention that there are two movies that all, all four of us gave four stars or higher marriage story. And I lost my body. Uh, but unfortunately, each of us picked a different movie to kind of represent for themselves. So um, we do love those movies. Too much Merit good. Story. Yeah. yeah. End too of the year good. is packed. Packed. Um, so Marriage Story, I Lost My Body. Uh, both are great movies. They're both on Netflix. Yep. Um, you should watch them if you haven't already. Um, so I think we should just jump right in. Um, I do have some warm-up questions. Uh, the Oscar nominees just came out. So, um, real quick, we're going to do some quick warm-up questions about these. So, guys, who do you want to win Best Actor? Adam Driver or Joaquin Phoenix? Want. Has Joaquin won? <laughs> I mean, probably Joaquin Phoenix, but I just love Adam Driver so much. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of agree really with that. Joaquin Phoenix won. did do a better performance. But yeah. God, it would be so cool to see Adam Driver on stage. Yeah, it would. Walking uh -huh. Phoenix won, I think, for Walk the Line, so he has won before. Mm -hmm. But yeah, um, okay. Do you do you guys think that Walking Phoenix is going to win? I this think point? so. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Too. Like before the nominations um, came out, I would have never thought so. And then Joker got so much love from the Academy, and now that makes me really think, mm. yeah, he probably will. Yeah, win. that's right. Yeah, Joker got 11 nominations. That was really surprising. So, guys, uh, speaking of uh, Marriage Story, uh, what do you want to win Best Original Screenplay? Marriage Story or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for me. I mean, I guess I want Marriage Story to win. Um that doesn't necessarily mean that it had a better screenplay. Um, you know, Tarantino's yeah. won enough 
writing. I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm not asking you what was. you think is better, just what you yeah, want. I'm leaning so, Noah yeah. Bombach. Okay. Yep. Do you guys think uh, that that movie will win? I don't even know what the front runner is in this category, so I'm not totally yeah, sure. Either. Um, best director: Sam Mendes or Bong Joon Ho? Bong Joon Ho. Oh yeah, Bong Joon Ho for sure. Sam Mendes. Ooh. You hate <laughs> Bong Joon Ho though. <laughs> I love I, I, I love Parasite. Bong Joon Ho as a as a director. He's <laughs> undeniably an incredible director. Just because Sam Mendes has been gone for so long would but be cool. Got to, yeah, I mean Sam Mendes is just in this movie the uh, it's just Sam Mendes the way gone? it's put director. Is I guess from the Academy he's been gone. Yeah, for from a while. the Academy. Yeah. Oh. He's been making I mean, Bond Bong movies. Never really been there though. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in fact, okay. I don't even know. I'd be interested to see if any um, foreign director has really been. <laughs> made it to the best director category have they for like alfonso Cuaron? yeah i mean i guess besides the the three mexican directors that win every year <laughs> yeah besides <them. laughs> yeah um Ang Lee. yeah but roma sure. but in terms of like foreign language films like roma parasite i don't i i, I don't know was, what um, crouching tiger hidden dragon Ang Lee. Ang Lee. yeah i'm sure Ang Lee okay. was nominated for crouching tiger yeah Okay. I think uh, he, yeah, I would. I, I don't know. Should I look that up? I'll look that up. Sure, look it up. Um, while he's looking it up, um, this one, the last question, it's not an either or question. Um, so it's it's open field. What do you think will win Best Picture? Nineteen Seventeen is probably just the front runner. Yeah, I, I that's my answer. 1917 probably. I think the Irishman has a really good chance. Um anything else would be a surprise to me. Um although, you know, par- I I think Parasite I, I, w- I would be happy. Actually, I would be happy with almost any of these movies winning right. except for Ford I think Parasite. Yeah. I think except Parasite for has a, I think Parasite has a chance. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, um, Derek, what about you? You didn't answer. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm on the same boat, probably 1917 or The Irishman. Okay. They just feel like the kind of movies that win. I don't know, but who knows? It's always so weird what they end up choosing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there's, you know, it's so political. There's there's still going to be a few more weeks of talking right. and figuring it mm-hmm. out. What? But um, The Green Book won last year? Mm-hmm. Right. But also like Moonlight, <laughs> Moonlight won a few years before that. Yeah. yeah. So it's very strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't ask what your guys is what you wanted to win Best Picture or uh, what you know what your top movie is because we'll go over that yeah. next month on Big our spoiler uh, spoiler. Yeah, we'll go over that next month mm-hmm. on our mm-hmm. uh, top ten episode, but. Uh, in the meantime, I did want to say that we are going to do a contest again this year between the four of us. So um, make sure ahead of time you write down your picks. And you should also take a picture of it maybe send it in the group chat so we know no one's cheating. Right. Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon. 
the All known right, just cheater. kidding. I don't think I don't think you cheat. But <laughs> so um, good last year. We should. <laughs> Was crazy. We should uh, so we should all write our picks, um, share them within the group, and um, and then the winner, uh, whoever picks guesses the most. Again, it's not who you want to win; it's who you think is going to win. And uh, whoever guess gets the most uh, will make everyone else watch a movie, and then we'll talk about it on the podcast. So let's get into the episode, guys. We've yep. got four big movies to talk about, and Derek, you're going to kick us off. Yes. So my movie I chose was Knives Out, um, and I actually saw this movie November 23rd. <laughs> it's been so freaking long since I saw this <laughs> oh my movie. Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because you uh, saw a sneak preview of it, right? Yeah. So, yeah, AMC like randomly does little like early weekends for movies. Uh, they'll just have like one or two showings, so I got to go see that. Um, the IMDb uh, plot summary of this movie is a detective investigates the death of a patriarch of an eccentric combative family. That's it. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, Ryan Johnson's next movie or newest movie, um, his follow up to Star Wars. And, uh, it's awesome. It's, it's, it's a, uh, it's a whodunit. So if you haven't heard anything about it, that's kind of what it is. It's like, uh, one of those old, I don't know when they're from like fifties or whatever, like mystery novel type things is what it's kind of based off of Agatha, Agatha Christie kind of thing. Um, what I really liked about this movie is just how big it felt and how different it was. Like it, because of its cast and I think they're advertising for it and it's largely positive reaction at festivals and stuff. It kind of came out and it felt to me at least felt like a blockbuster. Um, it's got like, you know, Chris Evans in it and freaking, um, Jamie Lee Curtis. And you know, it's just like a whole ensemble cast of really, uh, stellar, stellar cast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just this, it's a fairly small, movie it's not like this big epic or anything so um oh daniel craig of course daniel craig's amazing in it um so yeah it just feels like this big blockbuster but it's just this, such a small character driven movie that it's just a really unique experience you know i'm so glad that it was such a big hit and stuff um it's so honest too like it just feels like you can feel ryan johnson's love for this genre and this type of movie um, it's just, it's so indulgent in the stereotypes and stuff of that genre. Um, and I think that has a really big effect on how you experience it. It makes it, it just feels like a, you know, you're having more fun because you can tell that the people making it are enjoying it so much. Um, and yeah, I think it's one of the funnest movies I saw this year. So that's why I chose it as my uh, favorite movie of the last month. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, Derek, I'm, I'm with you, man. I love this movie. We, we saw it for Thanksgiving on uh, with Shan's family. So, oh, nice. Uh, yeah, we do um, tradition. Like, the tradition is to go see a movie on Thanksgiving. So that was the, the pick. And, yeah, I mean, it was it was a crowd favorite. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, one of my favorite parts was Daniel Craig as Benoit Blanc. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
my question was going to be, do you think there will be more whodunit movies uh, featuring Benoit Blanc? But uh, I, it was announced that Ryan Johnson is working on a script for another movie. Yeah. Um, I'm just I, – I don't know about you, but I would love to see um, more and more of these movies where it's different cases featuring Benoit Blanc and his conniving, thoughtful um, skills as a private investigator. Uh, do you think this will be a successful franchise? If yeah. Continue with it. I think so. I mean, I feel like we've been kind of robbed of Daniel Craig movies just because he's been so consumed by Bond for like the last 10, 15 years. But every time mm. I see him in a movie that's not James Bond, he's so freaking good. He that's always, always is a standout. Yeah. And yeah, I think that character especially is just so, so unique and like, yeah. Uh, it's just such a creative little character for them to have made. And yeah, I'd love to see more of these. You don't get to see these kind of movies really. They don't, people don't make them. So mm -hmm. uh, I think it'll be successful. This one was so. Yeah, this one, I do want to say real quick that this one made the top 20 uh, highest grossing movies of uh, 2019. So that's awesome. I, I just think that's yeah. a win right there. Like that's, yeah. that's awesome. For sure. Also, they said, I think I saw that he's aiming to have it out this year, potentially, like oh, 2020. Sequel? Yeah. And yeah. I, I listened to an interview with him about this movie. They also made this movie in under a year. Like he started writing it in like February of 2019 or something crazy like that. And yeah, just he like had all, also really been thinking about it for a long, long time. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But which means maybe he has been thinking about multiple stories for a long time as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I I really liked this movie a lot. Um, I think you gave it like four and a half stars, Derek. Yeah. Yeah. I was leaning between like a solid four, three and a half. But regardless of that, like I had such a blast watching this the whole way through. Like it's almost mm -hmm. impossible to walk out of this movie and not have had a good time. And kind yeah. of something weird... I felt happen like the week or two after this movie came out is a lot of people were like kind of talking about it or like had heard about it in passing. Like it had really good word of mouth because I had multiple mm. people um, kind of bring it up and I'm just like immediately just like, yes, you should go see this movie. Like mm. it's so easy to recommend to anybody who just wants to have a good time. And yeah, I think that's the thing definitely. I appreciate the most about it. Yeah, for sure. It's just a fun movie. Mm -hmm. And it keeps like a really good pace too. Like it's yeah, it's not like a slow burn thriller. It's not like you know. It's it's a it's an, a fairly upbeat kind of silly. Uh, almost it's probably you could probably throw it in the comedy category even at a lot of points. Yeah, Re regardless of Star Wars, it's such a natural progression for Ryan Johnson to go from mm -hmm. like brick. To Brothers Bloom to you know to Knives Out yeah like that's just like a perfect growth trilogy of personal films for him Looper to oh fuck Looper, forgot in, Looper there in there too right? yeah honestly mm -hmm. like this was one of the first thoughts going out of the movie I had was this is the first Ryan Johnson movie I've seen in a really long time where I didn't feel like I've always always felt like I really liked it but there's something so it's like mm. Star Wars, I had a lot of butts. Looper, I had butts about. And it was just nice to see this, to like 
I've always been a fan of him. And it was just really exciting to come out of there and just like, God, I loved everything about that movie. I'm so glad mm. he's. I feel still like got I, it, you know? I don't know Daniel Craig as an actor pre Bond, even though he was like, you know, he wasn't young even when he started right. that franchise. Yeah. Um, but after it's so fun to see him in everything he's done since I've started noticing him. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the fact that this could possibly continue as a series with him not even being, I guess, technically the lead, he's kind of supporting. Right. Um, but he's, yeah, he'll he's, be the focus of whatever continues going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, is like mm-hmm. a really cool, uh, perspective to just keep changing the cast but have this one guy be the consistent yeah this could be like almost uh i mean it's completely different type of movie but the um uh mikhail bloomquist uh girl with the dragon that's that's what i was thinking of yeah um like that was supposed to be a, a franchise that at least did a trilogy but um very easily could have kept going with even more movies but it was cut short didn't do I think it, I don't think it did as well at the box office yeah <clears throat> Daniel Craig was in that one too yeah 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 but a different role like it would have been like he wouldn't have been the detective um yeah in that one. well and he, he loves he, solving he was mysteries. a detective in or he was he was an investigative reporter in right uh, but in the sequel he wouldn't have been in the sequel right yeah he w- yeah he's in he's in all the novels oh okay well, then I don't yeah. know what I'm talking about sorry that, <laughs> that were written as far as I know I only read three of them but yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm, Derek, I'm really glad you picked this movie. I, I was very close to picking it and it just like it came out so long ago um, and it just didn't I don't, I don't think it came out in time for our November episode mm-hmm. and uh, we just didn't get it in there. Um, and now it's been so long. I, I was worried that we wouldn't get to talk about it. But yeah, I'm really glad you picked it. Um, and one of my favorite uh, actually I, before I say my question i wanted to give a a little spoiler warning um i wanted to talk about something that happened in the first act at the end of the first act of the movie it's uh it's a little um kind of first act twist that happens um so if you if you don't want any kind of plot details uh spoiled for you you should skip forward and we're not going to talk about the ending at all but um skip forward five minutes if you haven't seen the movie because it's uh it's it's a pretty fun twist um uh so spoiler warning um so uh one of my the most interesting things about this movie i think is it's it's structure uh it is not structured like a typical um detective novel or agatha christie novel where the the entire movie you are wondering who the or the entire story you're wondering who the killer is um at the end of the first act it is revealed who the killer is and um you spend the rest of the movie uh knowing who the killer is uh, and it kind of really throws throws the viewer for a loop and the movie kind of does a, an interesting 180. Um, and I was wondering what your guys' uh, experience of that twist was like, um, how did it affect your experience of the film? It's definitely like a weird, like speed bump to like, you don't really expect and you're kind of like, you definitely have a couple minutes of trying to recontextualize the movie and like, <laughs> Cause yeah, it's not a, it's not uh, the way that these stories are usually told and it kind of like, 
it's a weird it is a weird like yeah like, i think interesting is a good description of it because it's like it is kind of a thing where you're like initially like well what <laughs> mm-hmm. that's the okay but yeah, uh, i thought that was the whole point yeah <laughs> we still have like an hour left in this uh, yeah as it but, happened um, <laughs> I, my head was kind of like putting it as like i don't like this like this is kind of ruining the movie uh-huh. it's kind of as how, it kept developing um i grew to appreciate it while i was sitting there watching the movie and uh trying to like still guess what else was coming forward yeah mm-hmm. i think well, that's that's got to be like the common effect like because i definitely was just like well but I, I you know i have faith in ryan johnson that he's clearly mm-hmm. this movie works and people love it so like you can't get too caught up in it yeah right um i was i was pretty thrown off too i mean i i had a hard time believing anything was real after that like i i know that i i the twist happens and i still was there's still plenty of mystery to be had somehow right and mm-hmm. there was still plenty for us to follow and figure out and twists and turns but i don't know i still was like even though they kind of gave a big thing away i was like really though like was <laughs> was that really mm-hmm. what happened because i I, is there even a mystery to be solved? Right. I, <laughs> I kind of just questioned everything after that. I get that. Even yeah. though they were mm-hmm. upfront with, with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, it's such a, a play on an established trope that it's like, it's almost hard to believe. Yeah. My experience was like, you, you can't do that. Wait, what? <laughs> right. That's not how this works. But then I, I felt, yeah, like, uh, Actually, I don't even remember who said it. And it was like 30 seconds ago. But uh, yeah, I very quickly um, kind of almost forgot that that um, that was a, a big deal. Like because the mystery just keeps on going and you're still like questioning everything. And I think Brandon said um, the the mystery is still so tantalizing. Her, her cover um, yeah, up becomes fun. Like really quickly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's that's the fun part. And um, in a interview um, on the Slash Filmcast, Ryan Johnson said like it starts out as a as a uh, Agatha Christie mystery novel and then turns into a Alfred Hitchcock thriller. Mm. Uh, and it's such a fun twist um, once you once you get into the meat of that of the second act. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, so that's Knives Out. Um, do you guys have anything else to add? No. Go see it. Cool. Yeah, good check yeah. it out. It's, uh, it's, it's got to be on theaters. demand somewhere. Oh, yeah, it is awesome. still, I think it's still I might, I might it's actually still, go yeah. rewatch it soon. I went, I went to the theaters last week, and I uh, bumped into a friend who was going to go see it, and he seemed nice. very shocked that oh, yeah, I had already seen it. Still. Yeah, oh. it was, it was kind of surprising because he was like, I am going to go see Knives Out. I was like, oh, that's great. You're going to have such a fun time. And he was like, oh, you've seen it. I was like, yeah, like three months ago. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's really cool. That Not it's three, going. but it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just got uh, nominated for best original screenplay. Mm. Yeah. Great. Good on him. So cool. So that's Knives Out. It's still in theaters now. Check it out. Uh, Brandon, you're up next. All right. So my favorite movie of the month of December is the Softy Brothers Uncut Gems. Uh, So I'll read the IMDb synopsis, which is really long. Uh, 
A charismatic New York City jeweler, always on the lookout for the next big score, makes a series of high-stakes bets that could lead to a windfall of a lifetime. Howard must perform a precise high-wire act, balancing business, family, and encroaching adversaries on all sides in his relentless pursuit of the ultimate win. Um, So this is kind of just a story about a really piece-of-shit guy, and uh, you're following him through his addiction of gambling in some form of another. And it is a fascinating, intense-as-fuck movie. Uh, so the Softy Brothers as directors, they I guess they have four films, as we discussed earlier, but really two like ones that have been notable. Um, I think their first two were very, very small projects. Um, and their last film, Good Time, was in my top ten and I absolutely loved. And it's a very good film. It came out maybe three years ago. And it's cool to see how these films have a lot of similarities. And that these directors are kind of developing so far what's their own like visual style and setting. Like both the movies take place in New York City. A lot of it is like at night. And a lot of it is very just like gritty and like literally grainy. Um, And a lot of just uh, like lights of the streets and overexposure and just like neon. Just like a really cool dark New York setting. Um, and both the movies have this like forward momentum of just like one problem leading to the another, leading to another, just on and on kind of just like a great adventure film, um, where everything is just strung together in one line of this causes the next thing. And movies like that, for some reason I'm comparing this to Indiana Jones or whatnot, but movies like that are always just like really interesting and entertaining always have like great forward momentum um so that's something that i get both of their movies have so far uncut gems and good times and uh i love them for that uh, this movie is really unique in its dialogue and i feel like this is maybe becoming a more popular trend uh, noah bombach does this a lot as well but and a lot of other writers But this movie takes it to the absolute extreme, which is just having multiple people talking at the same time and just talking over each other and having multiple conversations that you're trying to listen to. And this movie takes it to such an extreme, it can become like a mess, but it's very intentional because what this guy is going through and experiencing is a mess. Um, So I, I think that's just like, really unique and uh these guys writing style is is great for that reason um as we've mentioned before and as pretty much everyone mentions as soon as they get out of this movie it is like the most intense thing you will see maybe throughout the year um and like sweaty palms you're gripping this your seat like your heart is just pounding because everything that can go wrong does go wrong and uh yeah it's got to win it's got to win some awards for most intense feature i've seen like throughout this decade um and it's not even a horror movie or you know it's not even a movie like that it's it's a thriller in that sense um and, and then what i did think you think was more what did yeah. you think was more intense uh good time or uncut gems uncut gems 
See, I thought Good Time was much more intense. Damn. Like, much more. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. You keep saying these things about this movie, and I like I want I don't want to interrupt you, but like I just I keep like I want to push back a little bit. <laughs> um, just like I don't know, I, I didn't think he was like a total fucking piece of shit, like you described him as. You know, I mean, I I thought he was a pretty uh, he wasn't like a, a, a he wasn't um, a great person. He wasn't even really a good person, but I didn't think he was the worst person in the movie. Even, you know, he just, well, I kind you know, of, there's, there's some really bad people in the movie. Right. I, but I kind of felt like murderers in the movie. Yeah. There's people but, yeah but I people. kind of felt like there was, um, a lot of it was just like his lifestyle that he led and, mm-hmm. um, you know, he, he, yeah, he was a gambling act, but it wasn't just gambling. It was, it was hawking. Like he, he yeah. was straight he up owned that jewelry store doing extremely legal mm-hmm. stuff. And yeah. putting his and, and like, like his family on jeopardy, valuable, um, yeah, doing things to his family. Like he, I, I don't know. Like this guy, this guy could get a lot of people hurt, and mm-hmm. is doing many illegal things that are hurting other people. Yeah. So that's that's what I mean by piece of shit. Um, yeah. And he's an addict, and so it is pretty sad as well. But. Uh, uh, and just lastly, I really liked the family scenes in this film, um, especially with his wife. Um, their dynamic mm. is so uh, interesting, and the way she talks to him is just—it's—it's it's kind of where like a lot of the comedic scenes come from. Um, just the way she like speaks to him when they have their scenes together, but uh, his, his relationship with his kids and some like scenes when they uh, go up to like use the bathroom were just like really interesting moments. And uh, especially what, I, I forget who, how he is related to him, but like the, is it his uncle where most of the conflict is coming from? It's his wife's... His wife's brother? Uncle? Wife's, I think he was probably yeah. too old to be her brother. Uncle He was, was kind of older, so I think yeah. it was his wife's, it wasn't his wife's father, right? I, I loved that dynamic of mm-hmm. I don't want to yeah. do this to you, but I kind of have to. And just the way all this plays out throughout <clears throat> the movie with that character. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, definitely. I, I mean, this movie, I, I, I haven't seen their, their, uh, their third film, the, the one before this, but I mean, this movie was unrelenting in its momentum and pace. Um, and it like throws you right into the middle of this crazy, uh, insane world that this guy leads, um, and just dares you to hang on. Um, yeah, I mean, I was sweating by the end of this movie and it's like, it's so intense or it was so intense for me and like such a whirlwind of craziness that like I, I walked out of the theater afterwards and had to regain my bearing, um, in a very similar way to like when I walked out of mother, the movie, the Darren Aronofsky movie mother, mm. um, I was just like, you know, <laughs> I had to recenter myself after, after seeing this movie. Um, and I just, I loved the idea of exploring this character, this insane, um, despicable. I thought he was kind of a despicable character. I mean, he, yeah, he wasn't a murderer. Um, there are worse people out there, 
Um, but I thought he was a, a pretty despicable character and the decisions he made throughout the movie were very selfish and, um, um, were really screwing other people over, um, in a pretty major way. Uh, and all of his decisions were, and all these things that were, um, all the problems that he was facing were self-inflicted. So, um, but, but it's really interesting to see this, this lifestyle, someone living this insane lifestyle. And I, as the audience get, get to like experience it for a short amount of time. Um, and yeah, I was just, it, it's such an intense movie. Um, it's a unique world with, that you get to experience. Yeah, like you're for saying. sure. And, and yeah, the, the diamond, the diamond district, I guess, um, of New York city, it, it very much has a time and place. Um, yeah. And the performances, uh, um, Adam Sandler doing what he does best, which is yelling at people. And he was perfect, perfectly casted in this movie. And, um, um, yeah, very impressive. Um, but, uh, Brandon, you mentioned, what was the, what was the previous Safdie brothers film? Good time. Um, good time. Um, yeah. So I haven't seen that movie, but I was wondering like how, how these two movies compared and how like their technique, um, has developed right. over the, the, these two movies and, and honestly, like, where like, the style is going. I, as I kind of was saying at the beginning about how similar the styles are, like what is so cool mm-hmm. about it. And like you're saying, Nick is like, I think I prefer uncut gems, but both of these movies are so incredibly strong that um, I'm like extremely excited for their career is going to go forward. Like good time is a very mature film on its own. Right. And um, I don't know. It's hard to say just with these two movies, what's developed because good time was in my top 10 and I thought they were amazing at doing that story as well. But yeah, that's it. Mm. Yeah. um, Sounds like you're in the good time camp, Nick. No, no, I preferred I preferred Uncut Gems, absolutely. Oh, okay. I loved this movie. I I loved this movie. You know, like I was kind of pushing to see if I could cover if I could introduce this movie, but um I'm glad you did. I forgot about my about my choice. So uh, I'm glad you did. But Which I had to um, remind no, you I of. I loved Uncut Gems. Um I and I I liked Good Time. Um I it wasn't one of my favorites. I don't think I had it in my top ten. But um, I did. I did like Good Time. I thought that the stakes were a lot higher in, in Good Time. Like I thought Good Time was more intense because it was um, he was trying to save his brother the whole movie. And if I remember correctly, his brother was had a mental disability, and um, he was like trying. He was so desperate to try to save his brother. Being and, put in um, prison. You know, maybe 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 it's because uh, it's Adam Sandler. But yeah, I I liked this character. Like I, I enjoyed hanging out with him. Like, I mean, it was stressful, but part of it for me was just that his, that was the life he led. You know, he, he was borrowing, borrowing money from different people. He was, uh, hawking different items from different, from other people. And everywhere he went, there was someone on the street coming up to him and going, Hey, uh, where's that thing that you owe me? And, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was stressful, but I, I thought he was kind of on, on top of it for a lot of it. And, you know, I, I kind of felt like, yeah, um, I just thought the stakes were lower because he was kind of just doing it to himself. Um, I do kind of think that the central conflict of the movie wasn't really his fault. Um, 
like the central thing being the diamond uh, Kevin Garnett wanted to borrow it and then kind of didn't mm-hmm. give it back. And, um, you know, he let Kevin Garnett borrow it and right. he was trying to get back the whole movie, you know? And, uh, you know, I, I don't think he really dicked over his family too much. Like, he was a terrible dad. Like, terrible. But, like, in the beginning of the movie, he's already, like, separated from his wife. And, like, you know, she'll find someone else. Like, <laughs> she was a attractive young lady. Like, she'll find someone else and the, the kids will be fine. You know, like, if anything happens to him. Like, like that's the thing. It's like, it just kind of... I don't know. I just kind of, like, I enjoyed just being in the world with this guy. And I didn't get to... It was definitely stressful and intense, but I also didn't get as, like, I don't know. I didn't get as, like, wrapped up in um, what was going to happen to him. Um, And I'll tell you why. Um, Because I feel like the whole movie was kind of like Burn After Reading. Um, Like, I felt like the movie was an absurdist kind of take on the real world. Like I'm sure this kind of world, like the world felt very real. And I'm sure that some of these people in the diamond industry, the diamond district, they, uh, I'm sure there's people that live like live lives like this. Um, but, and his, all the characters felt very real, but you know how, um, at the end of Bruton after reading, they kind of, uh, JK Simmons is go, you know, he's looking at the file folder and he goes, so what do we learn? Uh, I don't know, don't do it again, you know? And that's that's kind of how I felt like this movie kind of was. I don't know and, what the fuck we did. <laughs> right. But, like, I felt like the movie told you that that's how this movie was going to be in the mm-hmm. in the first scene. Um, so the fir- the movie opens out. Let me just tell you real quick. I was, I was kind of run late to the theater. You know, I'm like, AMC gives you 20 minutes of... Uh, of uh, previews, you know, so I always play into that a little bit. So I went running into the theater, I uh, went inside, I didn't miss any of the movie, like, I still had a, I still had a preview, even though I was, tw- I was like 20 minutes on the dot, like, so I was like, oh no, I'm gonna miss the beginning of the movie. I run inside, sit down, I still get to watch one trailer, and the movie starts, and it's like, in, like, I don't even know where they're at. What do you guys remember where it started? It's like they're mining for, for yeah, gems. Yeah, it's in Ethiopia, a uh, diamond or, yeah, a mine right. in Ethiopia. Right, so they're mining in Ethiopia. And I'm like, wait, am I even in the right movie? Like, hmm. why are we starting here? I thought this was a New York City movie. And you see the intensity of of diamond mining, how people get hurt, people are killed while while mining for these for these diamonds, and they find this rare diamond. They like find it. You can tell that it's like a treasure. It's like a a piece of. It's a thing that they don't ever like. It's it's a masterpiece, and the camera mm-hmm. zooms into it, and you see this psychedelic world. Like it's like it's like you're watching uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow. You know, it's like you're watching this crazy psychedelic movie, and you're like, whoa! Like this is insane. What's happening? The, am I in two thousand one Space Odyssey right now? Holy moly! And all these crazy colors are swirling and whirling, and then it slowly zooms out, uh-huh. and you're inside Adam Sandler's colon and he's at the doctor. Yeah. You're in his asshole and (laughs) it zooms out and he's, he's at the, he's in a doctor's office and the doctor's examining his, his colon. And, um, I feel like right there, the movie says, Hey, we're up our own ass. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like, yeah, you know, it's absurd, you know? And, and, I don't know. I just, I kind of felt like right from the beginning, the movie has a weird sense of humor and I was, 
I was on board for it. So maybe mm-hmm. that's why I didn't take it as like I didn't think it was of it as as intense. But yeah, I that's I don't know. I just I just loved that so much, and I was just laughing. Mm-hmm. I was on board. Um, I also wanted to say, um, it's also really interesting seeing 2012 as a period piece. I don't know about you guys, but I was like kind of obsessed with how they were using technology in the movie. Like there were parts where they pulled out their phones and they looked on Craigslist, which is a thing people still do now, but the way they're doing it, it was like brand new, you know, they, Mm -hmm. they were doing these things that were like, Oh wow, that's so 2012 right there. And um, I kept wondering why, why are, why is this movie such a 2012 movie? Like, why isn't this a modern movie? Why isn't it coming out today? And the answer is because um, this is actually the the true story of the behind the scenes. Um, 2012 NBA Eastern Conference semifinals. You know, not not the whole NBA finals, just just that series of the uh, NBA Eastern Conference finals. I'm just kidding. It's not the true story, but how awesome would that be? You know, uh, Kevin, historical fiction yeah. kind of right, right? Yeah, this is this is a historical fiction behind the scenes uh, of of that NBA series. Like, so I mean, I just want to say Kevin Garnett is in this movie, and you know, KG is he's actually really good. He's not just a cameo performance. He's actually in the movie a fair amount and he's really, really good in it. And mm-hmm. it's just kind of funny seeing like, I don't know, he plays himself, but he's, you know, he's got that celebrity status and he's, he's kind of a big deal. Cause he is a big deal. And, um, I just, I was just on board for all of that. I just all, thought all of that was so interesting and fun. Mm. So, um, yeah. Uncut gems. Sure. Nice. Yeah, I wish I saw this movie. I didn't get to go see it. Um, I kind of forgot you didn't see it, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this has like been the, the, the one I wanted to see the most, but I just haven't been able to get out and go see it. But uh, So my question for you, though, is now that we have the Oscars out, we know Adam Sandler didn't get nominated, and um, I always I heard that this was like a vehicle for Adam Sandler for a long time. Like they'd been working out with his agent and his agent was kind of saying, you don't want to do this movie for like 10 years. They waited for him um, to agree to do this movie. And then he finally did. Uh, I'm just curious, like how we've seen him in serious stuff before. Uh, it's just not very often. And it's sometimes it's not super serious. You know, it's like uh, part comedy and stuff like this. I I'm think just, there's like three or four movies. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. like there's, and the, you're right. They they all came kind of far apart from each other. Yeah. There was uh, Punch Drunk Love, Funny People, which mm-hmm. kind of counts, yeah. and the Meyerowitz S- stories. Spanglish. Yeah. Spanglish. There was like sure. Rain o- Rain on Me or something. Yeah. Where with uh, there was a couple other more serious ones, but the those were the three good, like well regarded ones. Right. Okay. So I'm just curious how how good was he? Did he feel like Adam Sandler or did he feel like this character? He was incredible. He, yeah. he was in, he was incredible. Um yeah. yeah. He Unbelievable. I'm so sad he didn't get nominated for best actor. Yeah. He really should have. Like that's so great to see. For sure. Big snub. Um, yeah. yeah, it's like still very much his voice. I think you mentioned it earlier on, Nick. It's his voice. It's his screaming and his shouting that he does so well. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I love how much they changed his look. Like this guy, 
looks the part in this movie and they did great with his like hair and makeup and just kind of like making him have, a like, grungy fake teeth in that movie too. just like a grungy New Yorker like a kind of slimy guy a little bit mm-hmm. um, and it's cool to see him transform in that way but he definitely owns this role and deserves yeah for sure deserves That's awesome. a nomination hopefully he does more mm-hmm. hopefully, yeah, hopefully he doesn't, hopefully I, I he imagine doesn't uh, live up to his threat <laughs> Yeah, I imagine it's kind of the intensity of it and the, um, g- yeah, just the the constant yelling and um, that that uh, turn people away from it, I guess. <clears throat> or maybe there's that's Adam Sandler, you know, and he's just kind yeah. of a goof. Yeah. But man, he totally he was kind of a goof. Didn't he threaten to um, that if he wasn't nominated, he would. He would make more shitty (laughs) comedies. Yeah. Yeah. So funny. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, so yeah, um, that was uncut gems. It's still in theaters now. I I would highly recommend it. Um, it's a bit intense, but I don't know. I think it's Mm -hmm. completely worthwhile. Right, Brandon. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. Right, Brandon. See it and see both his last two movies. So, yeah. Um, okay. So, um, I want to tell you guys about a movie um, called A Hidden Life. It's the new Terrence Malick movie. And um, I'll read the quick summary off of Letterboxd. Um, actually, I'm going to read the summary off of uh, uh, IMDb. Uh, the Austrian Franz Juckmeister, uh, that's not how you say his name, <laughs> Franz Jägerstatter, a conscientious objector, refused to fight for the Nazis in World War II. Simple, simple concept, um, but um, very, very emotional. Um, this is a Terrence Malick film. Um, for those of you who um, are unfamiliar with Terrence Malick, he makes very beautiful um poetic movies often his movies don't have a lot of dialogue and sometimes hardly any story but um he always has gorgeous cinematography uh usually the camera flows in uh just very very beautiful ways um instead of having dialogue and a lot of story he usually lets you just kind of soak with the emotions um, of what's happening. Um, the last few movies uh, that he's done, um, probably the last three or four, um, Emmanuel Lubezki's been his cinematographer, and this one was not um, shot by Lubezki, but by uh, Horg Wil- Widmer, and he he worked underneath uh, Lubezki. Um as the camera operator and this movie is absolutely gorgeous um it takes place in the alps and it's just there are these there are so many shots of just trees and clouds and waterfalls and just scenery that are just absolutely breathtaking like i i said like wow audibly during the movie multiple times um um, to me, like I said before, um, this is kind of like an uh, ideal Terrence Malick film. His last, his last couple films um, haven't been that well regarded. Like 
The Tree of Life, which to me is his best movie, uh, came out in 2011. And since then, he did um, um, a few movies that just weren't as well regarded. Um, Knight of Cups was one, and I, I really did not like Knight of Cups. I felt like it was kind of a chore to get through. And, um, and then Song to Song was another one, and I didn't think Song to Song was great, um, but I, I enjoyed it. Like I, it was very, it was a very sexy movie. It was about rock stars doing rock star things and, you know, sleeping with each other and just being gorgeous, just sexy people, just kind of being sexy. And, um, but also it wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, weird or anything. It just, the way he shot the movie, it just felt very sexy, but, um, low stakes though. Um, this one was great because um, the simple story let you really um, meditate with with what was happening. You know, like uh, you you know you you find out very early on that this is World War Two and Austrians everyone every male was obligated to to uh, join the military and pledge allegiance to Hitler and the Nazis. And he, very early on, decided that he wasn't going to do that. Like, he thought that they were evil. He said, can't, can't they see how evil this is? And he decided to be a conscientious objector. Um, and uh, it was kind of about his soul. I mean, it was, it was kind of a selfish thing in some ways, but also it was... Um, it was a form of protest, but also he wasn't doing it to formally protest. It wasn't like he was out there with a picket sign and he just wanted to live his life and do his thing. He just didn't want to pledge allegiance to something that he uh, absolutely didn't believe in. And um, what was interesting about the movie is that, you know, clearly from a, from a historical perspective, we all know that Nazis are like the worst and I feel like all of us, you know, would never, would never pledge allegiance to Hitler or the Nazis. But the whole movie is about all the external pressures. You should do this. Like people in society, the, the law, every, everyone is saying to you, you need to you need to just say the words, join the military, and uh, everything will be fine. And, um, you know, I think the movie's asking, at what point would you scrub your beliefs and pledge allegiance with Nazis? And really, there there is no clear answer. And I think the movie the movie doesn't give give a right or wrong or or this is what he should do or or whatever. Uh, it, le- it lets you come to your own conclusion about what that is. And... Um, you know, is it worth it to silently protest and save your soul uh, when you have to sacrifice everything, including including your family? Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was incredibly powerful, and I think it's um, you know, there's a lot of crazy stuff happening in our world now too, and I think you you also can't, I feel like you can't not ask yourself the same question, like, at what point would I stand up for something that I believe in, in the same kind of way, even if you weren't actually doing any, uh, global good in the moment. So, because it was a silent protest, but, um, he was, uh, 
he was uh, beautified by the Catholic, by the Catholic Church, um, and so in 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 the greater greater picture, he was um, acknowledged for what he did. But um, yeah, I mean, to me to me the movie um, right, was story is known and it's being told. Mm. Yeah. To me, Terrence yeah. Malick, uh, it was him coming back to back to what he does best, and um, lets you kind of just meditate with this with this big concept, and kind of come to your own choices about it. Um, mm. You know, it was pretty pretty powerful stuff. I thought it was a really really powerful movie. So um, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and <clears throat> I think the star of this movie and pretty much any Ter- Terrence Malick movie are the visuals. Um, and man, what a location to shoot a Terrence Malick film in. Um, <clears throat> I, I assume this was shot in Austria on, on location, uh, somewhere in the Alps, uh, Austrian Alps. Um, and it is gorgeous. I loved the kind of juxtaposition, especially later on in the movie between like the really serious when the guy, um, you know, goes off to prison and, and dealing with, with that stuff. Um, at a distant location, like how oppressive that was, but then it would cut back to this beautiful valley in Austria. Um, and just like the serenity of the visuals in that, in that, um, um, in that valley where it's just, it was really powerful when, when contrasted to, um, other stuff that was going on in the film. Um, I also really liked the, (laughs) I've never, pointed this out in a movie before, but the farming, <laughs> right guys? Yeah. No, I hear you, man. I, really good. I, yeah. I, I, they I had a lot of detail. That, but it really, yeah. Like there was, I loved how they almost throughout the entire movie, they never like repeated a farming technique. And it just like goes to show that like, these are, you know, people, these are this, this is this, these people are the salt of the earth. They're, um, you know, out there getting their hands dirty, farming and like, you know, working in it. They're, they're just like the, it's it just portrays this such a wholesome lifestyle and um, the love that they have for each other. And and like the way that they live their life just feels so earthy and like good and pure and beautiful. Um, uh <clears throat> and yeah, it's just like really putting in the effort to to show um, that to display that aspect of these characters, I thought was really interesting and really powerful. Um, but yeah, I, I found it so interesting to have a movie where the premise is someone refusing to support do, someone doing something that is good and right and refusing to support this evil regime um and basically the entire movie spending the the entire movie um convincing him and the audience that what he's doing is wrong um and i i feel like that that's such a powerful message like in this movie you, you mentioned earlier that the catholic church recognized later on what he did i'm sure that was you know, decades later. Um, but in this movie, he is alone. Um, you know, it's him and his family, but, um, and his family supports him, but he is alone and he 
isn't doing this for anything. Um, he's not doing it to uh, to be the spark that ignites a flame, that starts a fire, that burns the Nazi regime to the ground or anything. Um, he's not doing it to inspire. He's not doing it for any reason other than it's it is simply it is simply wrong and these people are evil and um he cannot uh, his soul will not allow him to do it and um this movie does not take that for granted um i feel like in a lesser movie or maybe not even a lesser movie but another movie would would show him inspiring uh, uh, the, the next generation or show him starting a movement or he would have some epic, uh, you know, monologue about why truth and good is good and evil is bad. And, you know, th- that's not in this movie. It's, the, it is, the there movie is no, really, sorry, sorry. Don't yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, there, the entire movie, it's people convincing, trying to convince him and the audience that, it is wrong to for him to stand up because of. I'm sorry. There's a motorcycle going by. Um, I, you know, people uh, convincing him that what he's doing is wrong, be, and because he has other things to worry about, like his family, and and he he shouldn't so willingly give up his own life, and. Um, uh, it's uh, yeah, the movie doesn't r- refute that. It never at any point says yes, but what I'm doing is right. It it just like right. it kind of lets that play, and it says doing the right thing is right in its own right. Like the the movie I doesn't think. even acknowledge that the Catholic Church beautified him. Yeah, like that. Yeah. Like the movie ends with um, he. This was a hidden life. You know, basically, yeah. like he he no one knew that he was protesting. No one knew that he was doing yeah. anything. The movie just just ends like that. And um, I don't know. I I thought it was I thought it was very inspiring. Like I thought mm-hmm. it was like very inspiring to see someone hold on to doing what they thought was right. And even though every single person um, besides his wife was um, telling him that just 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 admit to it. Just, just say, just say, and just say the words. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, yeah, I mean, uh, Brandon, I'll let you, uh, say your piece, but, um, I, I, I want to tell another story about, about my experience of this movie too. So, um, Brandon, your piece. Mm-hmm. Um, you want me to go now? Well, um, Okay, yeah, so I mean, we could, we could I guess circle I'm, back around to what I was going to say. I'm between you. I'm, I'm between like uh, old Ma- old Malik and then Malik of his late two lesser films. I guess um, to me, this there wasn't a five star movie. I think it's awesome that you guys really got a lot out of this. Um, but I guess it really comes down to the simplicity of this movie going along with how long this movie is. And um, it's it's a three-hour film um, based kind of just in two segments of farm life and um, all this morality uh, in the second half of the film that ends up coming up. And 
I mean, I guess in comparison to A New World, which I loved, you know, it's like, I think A New World struck a, a much better balance between the amount of things that happen in a Terrence Malick film um, and length, which is a half hour shorter and maybe, you know, a good handful the amount more like scene changes and location changes and story movement. Um, so it was just hard for me, I guess, to kind of get through all this poetry that went on for a very long time while still like acknowledging how drop dead beautiful it is and also how much of an improvement it has been from, uh, as you said at the beginning, Nick, his first, his last two films, which really weren't about much at all. And Hopefully I'm making sense, but I feel like this is on the right track of improvement, but I don't, I don't feel like it quite got there like a new world mm-hmm. and tree of life were for me, um, for that reason. Yeah. I, I, I kind of agree with you too, Brandon. Um, I, I actually didn't rate this movie because I, I have no idea what even to rate a Terrence <laughs> Malick film at this point, but um, yeah, I, I think it had a lot of really interesting things to say, and there was a lot of really interesting things the movie was doing, and it was gorgeous. But I don't, I'm not necessarily sure that it was, uh, it had three hours worth to say. So, you know, I totally get um, that uh, sentiment, but mm-hmm. I, I still very much was engaged in the movie and the visuals and the poetry of it, and um, mm-hmm. still got a lot out of yeah. it. I'm I'm very happy that this is his by far his best movie since since Tree of Life, and so I'm really excited he's uh, discovering that again, how to tell these kind of really intimate stories. Yeah, I mean the runtime didn't bother me at all, and I I I I I do think that's the only complaint about it really, and not the only, but I think that that's the main thing people have been saying about the movie is that uh, it wasn't it didn't need to be three hours long and. I don't know. I don't. I don't really care about that in this case. I don't case. know what that means anymore. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's that famous uh, Roger Ebert quote about how a good movie is never too long or too short, something like that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, maybe that just means that you weren't enjoying it for other reasons, or something like. If, mm-hmm. And because for me, like the three hours, yeah, it felt long, and yeah, I got a little tired at some parts, but. You know, I I I enjoyed how slow it was because I really I don't know I let my mind wander I let myself kind of just feel a lot of different things and think a lot of different things like I was kind of all over the place with with my experience in it. and um, I don't know I felt like yeah I, I wasn't really too bothered about it at the time maybe if I had watched at home and I had to like you know have the temptation of like my smartphone or something sitting there mm-hmm. but. I don't know. To me, it was like a nice just yeah. break from reality where I was able to just, at the very least, see beautiful landscapes. And and then but then on top of it, all this like really powerful stuff that I just I just found very, very moving. So, um, yeah, yeah, I uh, yeah, I, I thought it was great. Yeah, I gave it five stars. So it was one of those things where like we. We talked about like my, my my wife saw it the day before I did, and she came home and she was kind of like, "Oh, I don't know uh, what I should give it." You know, Terrence Malick feels like five stars, and I'm kind of like, "Yeah, I mean, when Terrence Malick's at his best, to me, he feels like five stars. Just like when Stanley Kubrick's at his best, it's like almost every Stanley Kubrick movie is a five star movie, and just kind of Terrence Malick to me feels feels that way." Um, 
Speaking of my wife, though, I did want to tell tell you guys though that when when we when we saw the movie, like we saw it separately, like she saw the day before I did, and kind of like switched, and um, she um, she had a totally different take than me. Like I said before, like I was really inspired by what was happening with with this character and how how he didn't do how he didn't he everything he did was for. Um, you know, for what he thought was right, you know, and she also, like I said, she gave it five stars, but she felt like, um, he should have said the words and he should have joined the Nazis at some point. Um, just because I wasn't sure if you wanted to get into this. (laughs) Yeah. Um, totally. Well, that, that's why I, that's why I gave you time to go first because I thought these things would tie together. But, um, but he, uh, yeah, she was, she thought that the main character was actually the wife um, Franz's wife, because mm. he, you know, he made his decision very, on, very early on in the movie. Like he, the, you know, he made his he made his choice and he was sticking with it. She was the one that actually had to like go through the turmoil of of the rest of society and all the pressures that were being faced and having to having to live with his mom and how his mom really didn't like her and how their relationship kind of changed over time and how. Um, you know, he, she really felt the brunt of it. And even though she stuck by with him, she like supported him hundred percent. She was, she was the one that went through a character arc. And, um, in a lot of ways, it's like, you know, what would you really do that to your family? You know, would you really Mm -hmm. put your family through that? And that, that was kind of what my wife was saying was, was it, you know, she would want me or her like to, to not just surrender yourself and then go and die, you know, like it's kill some Europeans, you know, for the sake of the family. Yeah. Well, I'm half joking. I I mostly agree with Shannon, (laughs) but uh, it's, it's it's really interesting. I guess I'll just say my two cents. Um, One of my favorite scenes was when he, the lawyer was like, I can, I cut a deal with you or with, uh, with the Nazis, I guess. And um, you don't have to hold a weapon. You can join the, uh, is it like infirmary, um, the medic? So you can just mm-hmm. be like helping people. Um, and then he, his next question was, but do I have to like, you know, pledge allegiance to Hitler? And he said, yes, you'll have to do that. But you can, you can do it, but think something else. And it, that still wasn't a good enough option for him. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, like, you know, healing people's wounds gets them back on the battlefield, which then in turn allows them to shoot more people, you know, shoot more mm-hmm. French people and Polish or whatnot. So in a way that that can be doing more harm. And, you know, it led me down this like long road, which is cool that the movie made me think about this. But like, what else could he have done? Like, you know, he could have he could have volunteered to actually serve in battle. And then as soon as he gets on the field, just like, you know, put his hands up and walk into enemy lines and just be a hostage until the end of the war Um, a deserter Um, maybe he could get away with that without getting shot he could have just booked it off into the hills and tried to be like that homeless guy the wife kept seeing um, the crazy Mm. guy in the woods you know he didn't he didn't go with that route either he kind of just he kind of let himself die in some ways and and that was frustrating to see Um, it wasn't a bad thing about the movie it was very fascinating thing and it's uh, a lot of stuff to think about yeah, for sure. <clears throat> I totally forgot about the guy in the woods. <laughs> yeah. That was really interesting. 
I'm so Same. such an outsider, like when it comes to talking to <laughs> Sorry, Malik Derek. movies. No, it's okay. I just, I Derek, literally have you not seen. I haven't seen this. I've only seen um, a New World. You know, oh. it's in theaters. I haven't seen it since. It's been really long. Well, that's like mm. almost. Yeah, the Tree of old. Life's on your list of like most ashamed movies. Yeah, it's on the. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just curious Shameless. what. I have a feeling I know the answer. I'm guessing it's just because the Tree of Life is so good. You guys have become Malik, like you know, forever. You'll just watch his movies, good or bad. But I'm just curious, like, how do you get into? Well, is it just go watch the tree of life and you'll get it <laughs> or is it well the thing the thing is he tree of life wasn't even his like uh uh big big movie for a while like he right. kind of had a reputation of he kind of had a flawless reputation as a filmmaker for for many years uh-huh. he his his first movie came out he had two movies that came out in the 70s one no actually it was i think it was one movie in the 70s one movie in the 80s one in the 90s one in the 2000s, one of the 2010s. Like, yeah. no, not the Tree of Life came out in the 2010s, and then and then there were four movies in the 2010s. Yeah. But like, he only made like a movie a decade for mm-hmm. for many years. And he, each uh, just uh, just gonna jump in and uh, give that context. He made a movie in 73, then 78. Okay. Uh, 78 was Days of Heaven, and then it wasn't until 1998 that he made okay. The Thin Red Line. So, so he didn't years. make a movie in the in the 80s. But mm-hmm. yeah, like Days of Heaven, um, The Thin Red Line. Badlands. Um, Badlands. Like the three of mm-hmm. those alone were like, he has the reputation of someone who only makes good movies. Like right. each one of those is beautiful and wonderful in its own right. And I, I think he, it's one of those things where people don't make movies like him. Like he's, he's kind of, he's a one of the one of a kind filmmaker. Um, just the fact that how poetic his movies are, I think you can compare them to like French new wave type stuff, but mm. o- oftentimes French new wave, like they're dealing with like existentialism and often very selfish characters. Um, the, Terrence Malick often deals with much bigger global issues and strikes a chord with morality and um, like the good and bad in people. And um, so there's there's often like a heaviness to to his movies. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I think that he's like kind of a one of a kind kind of guy. And um, a new world was where I started. And I didn't know who Terrence Malick mm-hmm. was when I saw that in theaters and um, actually, like, really loved that movie in late high school when it came out, just on its own term. I was just, like, was blown away by it. So mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of where you were at, Derek. That, that was the only one I had seen when I saw it. Yeah. We probably, I think it I saw instantly it made you. me a fan. Yeah. Don't know what's wrong with you. But. I remember <laughs> I saw Thin Red Lion. It must have... It, I didn't realize it came out this late, but that, it came out in nine, 1998. And uh, I saw that. Brett that was my first VHS movie or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I feel yeah. like I saw the Thin Red Line on VHS first, and at I mean, house? it's it's a really that's a really powerful movie too. Like that one mm-hmm. is it's like an anti-war film, and it's pretty gritty, and the cast is yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, uh, you know, he's he's a he's just one of those directors that um, has a big reputation, but it's it's deservedly so. I I do feel like. Um, I would almost recommend I would recommend any of the other movies that I've seen of his just like jump in 
to Thin Red Line or The New World or yeah. Tree of Life. And they're relatively entertaining movies to watch. You know, I mean, yeah, they're slow and poetic and contemplative, but um, I feel like there's there's a, a good pace to them. And um, there it's not. It's I'm not sure a chore, a lot right? Of like it's would a, that's the thing. Like, me. but yeah, I don't feel like those are a chore. I do feel like, you know, as much as I like the hidden life, I can definitely see where this movie would be a chore. You know, like what you said, it's a, <clears throat> it's a half hour longer than the New World, and far less happens in it than in New World. So, um, yeah, definitely jump into any of his other movies, and I think most people would find that they enjoy them. Um, yeah. I feel like uh, days of heaven is also really short too. Like I feel like his movies that came out early, the seventies ones are both like yeah, 90 minutes yeah. or something. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and Sean, I'm with you. We watched uh, the tree of life together like a year ago, I think. And mm-hmm. it, it moves. It really moves. Yeah. It's, it's not like a. It's not. It's not slow at all. That's cool to I mean, hear. It's I only saw it once when it came out. There's a long like um, uh, evolution of life sequence that I I find absolutely beautiful. Um, and so there's I don't know what is that like 15 minute sequence of that. But um, yeah, once you get into the the story of Tree of Life, um, it, it it really does move. It's it's. Um, yeah, it's not. It's less than than a hour. It's it's only two hours and nineteen minutes. So yeah. so short. So just jump yeah. in. Just jump yeah, in. We just want me it. and Shan watched the New World um, around Thanksgiving last year, mm. and mm. Uh, that one too. You're, Brandon, you're not wrong. It has has a has a lot of plot. Not a lot, but a, a lot for a Terrence Malick film. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we should move on. Um, Derek, you should really see. Uh, just, just pick one. Pick one of those and uh, and have a great time with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of classic directors, uh, Sean, you're up. Oh, my turn. Um, yeah, you guys. Um, I watched this movie. Wait, uh, wait. Just... Time out, real quick. Oh, Brandon, you're really setting it up like that. Terrence Malick <laughs> and and this guy. Really? What? Really? When? <laughs> Okay, when we can we can argue about it later. We can argue about it later. We can argue about it later. <laughs> yeah. I haven't, I haven't I guess seen this guy. Isn't really. A, I haven't his, seen his this movie, so I don't know. But in '98. But oh, anyway, Nick, you uh, haven't seen 1917. I have not. I didn't oh. get a chance to see it yet. Okay. Okay. Boy. That helps to know. Um. Yeah, uh, you guys. I saw this movie 1917 uh, that I really want to talk about. Um, the IMDb summary is uh, two young British soldiers during the First World War are given an imp- impossible task, deliver a message deep into enemy territory that will stop 1600 men from walking straight into a deadly trap. Uh, this movie is directed by Sam Mendes, uh, written and directed by Sam Mendes, uh, stars Dean Charles uh, uh, Chapman. Um, who is Tommen from Game of Thrones um, and George McKay. (laughs) Really? Oh, is that a spoiler? No. I had no idea Uh, that that Derek is him. Yeah. Uh, And George McKay, who was in uh, Captain Fantastic. Um, Hey, you worked on that movie. Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, yeah. Uh, both really awesome in this movie. Um, so yeah, uh, you guys, this is a freaking movie. Um, to me, this is what movie making is all about. Uh, the high adventure, uh, compelling characters, a, a simple story told well. Um, it, 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 on top of like beautiful and brilliant visuals, um, the movie uh, does an incredible job with its characterization. Um, it you know it, it does an incredible job of weaving relevant and interesting characterization into into really beautiful and poignant moments uh, amongst the chaos of this this epic war. Um, it doesn't waste any time jumping into the plot of the movie, um, and once it gets started, it is a roller coaster. Um, I, I felt like at any given moment of this movie. Uh, Sam Mendez was like reaching into the emotion, emotional portion of my brain and just cranking a particular emotion up to 10. Um, it was, it's such an intense movie. It's such a wild ride. Um, from the, uh, the, in, the, the tension and isolation of the no man's land sequence to the sniper sequence to like the heart wrenching, uh, underground, uh, scene in the, in, in the burning village. Um, this is such an e emotionally exhausting and intense movie. Um, uh, I've in like, I've, I felt like they did a really great job of displaying the, like the unique features of this war too. Um, I, I, I think all, uh, most of the great or all the great war films, um, do a really great job of showing the uniqueness of the particular war that they're about. Um, and, and this movie, like the way that it, it shows this type of warfare, uh, of world war one with the trenches and the, the mud and the bodies left to rot everywhere. Um, and the, the challenges with the communication and the, the you know, the airplanes and um, it, it, I think it does a, a really great job of, again, putting you in this time and place, uh, putting you in this really unique war um, and um, and telling such an interesting story, taking on such an interesting journey. Um, in this movie and um, you really can't talk about this movie without mentioning the cinematography um, Roger Deakins uh, shoots this movie and in case anyone listening hasn't heard the, the unique thing about this movie is that it's shot to look like it is a single take like it's a, it's a single camera shot um, going throughout the entire movie Um. And, you know, Roger Deakins isn't typically known for this type of cinematography. He isn't really known for his really long, complex, intricate shots. Um, he, he's more of a, a kind of classical cinematographer, unlike, say, Emmanuel Lebesky or uh, Janusz Kaminski with, um, in Spielberg films or, um, you know, 
<clears throat> even like Alfred Hitchcock or anything like that. Um, but he does this, he, he pulls this off with such a technical brilliance. Um, and you know, it, it was like it, coming out of this movie, it was the first time in a long time, um, that I've seen a movie and was just dying to see how they pulled it off. Um, you know, watching video, going home and watching videos and, um, just like fascinated with how they pulled off these shots in, in the movie. Um, it was really impressive. Uh, and I really enjoyed this movie. Um, it's super intense. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a ride. It is a journey and yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I'm curious to see what you guys thought about it. Sounds like we had a really similar experience. Um, yeah, I felt exactly the same way. It's like even throughout the movie, every time they're like in a new location, you're just like, how? Like, you know, there's some that are more simple than others. But some of them, you're just like, what? Is, how are they? How? Like, this looks so freaking real. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. so either it's all just really happening. <laughs> they're just like running in front of it with a camera. Or mm -hmm. it's just like, that's like what's so that's when you feel like you're really getting the most out of like a movie going experience is when they've put so much time and effort into creating what you're seeing. That's mm -hmm. every movie, you know, but this movie just feels like it takes it a step further with everything. It's like, there's that, you know, shot in the trailers that they always show of like the, the plane, like the flaming plane. And it's like, mm -hmm. I don't, I cannot even begin to understand how they pulled that off. Mm hmm. Like, I don't even know yeah, either they threw a plane shot, yeah. at the actors or <laughs> yeah. they did something else. And I have no idea what else. I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> it looks like a real, not, obviously not in the, like the background when it was flying around. That was, that was fake. Right. But when it like comes at that, that look, that looks real. Yeah, like I'm thinking <laughs> they, they probably did it real and there's just really, really yeah. impressive, you know, people doing, getting the stunt work and everything done properly. Mm -hmm. It's just, yeah. but there's, there's that's the one that they advertise a lot, but there's that happens every five minutes. Like a really impressive visual thing is happening in front of you. And you're just like, Holy mm -hmm. shit. And it's always intense. Like you said, the whole movie is just like really just nonstop intensity. And it's not even always action intensity, but it's emotional intensity or, you know, when stuff isn't happening, it's intense because you are like, they're on a, you know, they're on a battlefield. They're not where they should be the whole movie. They're, you know, behind mm -hmm. enemy lines. So you're just like, it's just constant. Everything's tense all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, but I really, really loved pretty much everything about it. I've heard people criticize like, um, lack of character arcs and stuff like that. Um, but I actually disagree with that and I'm not going to get into too much into plot. You know, Nick hasn't seen it. Um, but I was actually really satisfied with where the characters go, um, uh, from mm -hmm. start to finish. And, um, I want to say like, this is literally the thought that was running through my head while we were watching it, but there's a scene in there. It's, uh, it's in the burning village and that set is so freaking massive and mm -hmm. like towering and, like the way they shoot it is just completely insane with the lights and all the shadows and just like mm -hmm. I have not been that like overwhelmed 
by a shot Mm-hmm. Since like what popped in my head was when I first watched Metropolis, like back right after high school, Fritz Lang's Metropolis, oh. like wow. just think, and it's a little different perspective because back then, you know, they didn't have the technology we have now, but it's just, it's like seeing what you're seeing on screen is just so unbelievable that that amount of work like went into creating something that massive at that scale mm-hmm. and and from what I've seen, that they actually built that whole thing. That's a full, yeah, like gigantic set. And uh, yeah, it's just it's mesmerizing. It's just it's 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 crazy. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. one of those movies that is just yeah, it left me completely breathless afterwards. I was like, I that's just that is the point of film. Like that is. That is exactly what I want to see in a movie. And that is like, Mm -hmm. as far as like action or like war movies go, um, I don't know how much better you can get. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. totally. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I watched a a few videos and and read some stuff on it. And like all those sets, they, you know, obviously this movie took a ton of prep work and planning, um, but they would go through these scenes and rehearse them and and like these the sets had to be built with the exact specifications of what the scenes required so like if they need if they're walking through a trench and and talking for you know three or four minutes the trench needs to be that long and as they walk they have to get to where they're going at a very specific point in their conversation and Mm -hmm. and you know so like the way that they had to plan all that out along with how they're going to move the camera through these sets and, and move the camera from one, one set to another. And, um, yeah, it was just, it's, it's such a, you know, a fun thing, especially like I can imagine me as a, as an aspiring filmmaker back, you know, maybe in high school or in college and just, just salivating over a movie like this Mm -hmm. And just die, be dying to to know how they did it, and and I you know I remember me and Brandon got had the um, extended edition uh, box sets of uh, or not the box sets but the the special edition DVDs of um, Lord of the Rings, and we watched all of the special features like 10 hours per movie of special feature. We watch every single one multiple times. And, uh, you know, I could definitely see doing that with this movie um, at at that time. Um, Yeah. I'm, I'm bummed. I didn't get around to seeing it guys. Uh, Just, it just didn't happen. Um, Mm. But um, I, I was, uh, I, I am a little curious. Um, just as someone who hasn't seen it, what you, what you keep hearing about is how it's how it's one shot, and I I know that's not accurate. Did you guys hear that this movie is one shot? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's all I that's all I hear about it. Um, that's what they say. Um, and I mean, you'll probably have you know your own subjective answers to this, but like you know, like like Birdman, it's it's like Birdman, where Birdman yeah. was made to look like one shot, but it was clearly like a whole thing, and. Um, um, I don't know about you, but when I first saw Birdman, I I honestly didn't even pay that much of attention to how it was supposed to look like one shot. But then a lot of people were calling it sort of like a gimmick. Um, do you guys find did you find it like a gimmick? Did you find it distracting or powerful or unnoticeable? Uh, 
what did you think? You, uh, do you mind if I take this, Sean? It's kind of a yeah, I yeah. Jump here. in. Yeah. Um, yeah. One thing I kind of wish people would talk about this film in a slightly different way. That I mean, we all know it's not actually one shot like the movie like Victoria was, but mm-hmm. I wish people would talk about it more in the sense that this is a real time film because I think that's the more important part and the more important thing that like making it air quotes one shot is trying to accomplish. It's trying to like take the main character on one journey from beginning to end and make you feel like you're standing there right next to this person going through that a nonstop exhaustion over the course of literally exactly two hours. Um, and I think like that's kind of where the motivation of trying to attempt this kind of one shot stunt comes from is by two thirds of the way through the film you literally feel like you have walked two thirds of the way to the end journey with this character and Mm -hmm. only a shot like this can kind of make you feel that because as soon as you start throwing cuts in there our minds are kind of used to time passing even though if it's technically not and Mm -hmm. it just conveys that uh, this film is a two hour chunk of time more than uh, they could do any other way See, I didn't know that at all. I didn't know that it was supposed to be just those two hours. I, It being right. a war movie, I assumed that it was, you know, even though it was made to look like one shot, like it could, you know, they could go over a hill and then be in another place. I, right. I don't know. Because Birdman, like you were saying, is is kind of similar. Yeah. Like it is one shot, right. but they hide their cuts through like CGI, like 1917. And also... But um, Birdman, Birdman takes, takes place, place over days and days, right? Because you actually yeah. see and in like that. different locations, like it jumps from one end of the city to the other. Um, I mean, it still holds that one one shot feel throughout the entire movie. But yeah, it it, it takes place over a long period of time and uh, over several locations that yeah. it jumps between. So so that is very different in this movie. Although I will say that it is kind of has that effect of Victoria though, more so than Birdman. Whereas Birdman um, is more to keep up the pace of the, of the drama and the plot. Whereas Victoria and this movie are meant to give you that real time feel mm-hmm. and that that sense of being there with the characters on this journey um the anxiety of like knowing that night yeah. is coming and stuff like that yeah too. yeah for sure knowing was, that they have to accomplish this in a certain amount of time and mm-hmm. following them along that journey um yeah and, and for me it it works i think early on i was you know there's a lot of build-up to it to this movie. Um, I'd heard months in advance that it was supposed to be a single shot, um, type movie. And so I was, I was very aware of it in the first five, 10 minutes or so. Um, just because that was in my head and it's hard to know, uh, what someone who didn't really know that or, or really care too much about that kind of stuff, um, how they would experience it. But for me, it was, it was just fascinating the entire time. And, um, it, it, I, I did after five, 10 minutes kind of forget, like I just was wrapped up in the film and, um, I would obviously was still aware of it throughout the rest of the movie, but it didn't, it just, it just felt like the movie, you know, it just felt like a movie to me after, after I got over that first little, um, over my own thoughts, I guess. Mm. A um, 
a couple of things I really loved um, quickly is, <clears throat> yeah, I think you said it almost, uh, they, they paced out the like major events so perfectly throughout this film. Like mm-hmm. it's not like before, you know, before sunrise where you have like 25 minutes of people talking and walking and then something happens. It's like so well paced through this challenging single take that they do. I thought that was such a great choice to keep the film moving. And this film does like callbacks really well. There's some poignant stuff that comes back, you know, Chekhov's guns through this whole movie. Mm-hmm. And the writing in that sense, like, was amazing. And when those things happen, yeah. it, it really got to me. And I love that. Um, For sure. And I can't finish this review without mentioning the fucking climax of this film. Just takes everything you've seen so far and ramps it up to a hundred and it is the most like like glorious amazing fucking like Mm -hmm. climax i have seen i just wanted to like stand up and cheer my jaw was on the floor (laughs) yeah holy fuck and you guys know what i'm talking about and i wrote it in letterbox but i was like that just caps everything off Mm -hmm. in the best way possible and yeah, it had the emotion sure. behind it. Like, it wasn't just a cool-looking action thing. It was like, it had a purpose yeah. and such a great, like, emotion behind what was happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I wanted to go back to one thing. Um, I think, who said this? Nick or Derek said? The thing about the the um, characters. Um, I the, I kind of see this movie or, or the one criticism apparently the people have is that the characters are underdeveloped. Um, I experienced this movie was well, first. My first thing to say about that is that it, it really is kind of the characters are are audience surrogates really? for us, you know, and it's it's really us experiencing this. But um, outside of that, I kind of compare it to um, Mad Max Fury Road um, and actually those. these two movies have a lot of similarities, but especially in characterization, um, they both give you so much characterization in very subtle ways in, and, um, weaved throughout the story and, and through the action sequences. Um, you get, you really get a sense of, of who the, the character is and where they're going and, or, or, you know, uh, you get a sense of their character arc, uh, not through like learning backstory and, and through scenes of extended dialogue or, you know, it's, it really is as the movie is, is moving at this rapid pace, you get these beautiful, subtle pieces of characterization that, um, at least for me, made me connect so deeply with this, with the characters. Um, and especially, you know, by the end, I'm just like so wrapped up in what they're doing, where they're going and like what, and, and everything that's happened to him. Um, and, and yeah, I, I thought it was brilliant in, in that respect. And yes, it's, it's not, this movie isn't a character study, uh, you know, but it's. It, I do think it is. It has some very strong characterization that worked really well for me. So, do you think uh, you'll, you know, if you were to make, uh, you know, an all-time war movie list, do you think it'd be upper echelon? Um, for Derek, 
it probably would be. For Brandon, uh, I think it might be. Yeah, definitely. You guys are funny. <laughs> okay. I mean, we don't want to build it up too much yeah, for you. We, we, we know you haven't seen it. it. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to overhype it. But isn't that yeah. kind of your guys' thing? Don't you guys love to yeah. overhype stuff? I will say mm-hmm. this is his second war movie that he's made, yeah. and I really, Very really love too. both of them. Like this is—I mm-hmm. don't know where you guys stand on Jarhead, but it's always been like one of my favorite war movies, mm-hmm. just because its message and stuff. Yeah. And yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I like this one more than Jarhead. So I mean, Jarhead's very different. It is there's, very, very different. I mean, as far as I remember, there's like no like war or battle sequences in the entire movie, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the point. It's kind of the point so of it's the a, movie. It's a very yeah. <laughs> unique and very different war film, but it's yeah, it's right. it's really interesting. Yeah. And totally yeah, like I mean, all of his movies, sure. it's it's all about getting to the core of the characters, I think, and in really like bringing large ideas and large aspects of life and humanity and history down to like a single character. Um, and, and Sam Mende, like, I think I was talking about this with Kelly and that's what I think all of his movies are. Uh, and this movie is no exception. Um, and it's a brilliant, uh, exercise of that. <clears throat> Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Um, yeah. Cool yeah. Stuff. That's going real deep on Sam Mendes there. Um, yeah. I mean, that Sky was more F- Kelly's idea. Sky Falls, the uh, best James Bond movie. So uh, there you go. Uh, that's my two cents <laughs> on the guy. Um, but, uh, but with that, though, I think we should probably wrap this up, guys. Um, before we sign off, like I said, this is our last episode before uh, our finale, and uh, then I think we might even do a end of the decade episode too. I mean, we'll see how how these things come on, but our 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 we're gonna do our top ten for for next month, and then we're gonna do um, we're probably gonna do a, kind of a similar top ten of the decade just for just for fun and kicks and giggles because you know it sounds like a fun time over there. Um, but real quick though, I mean, 2020 is here now. Uh, what movies are you guys most excited about for 2020? Um, Brandon? Um, <clears throat> definitely Christopher Nolan's Tenet. Um, it's always an event to see him do a movie. And this one looks a, uh, Very a little more contained. And I'm really excited to see him do that. Um, also, the new Bond movie. Straight up just because Kerry Fukunawa is doing it, and he's a genius director. Um, so I'm really excited for No Time to Die. Yeah. It, it, the trailer makes it look like I'm going to have to watch Spectre, though. I haven't seen oh, Spectre. Really? It looks like I can oh, start. No. <laughs> it's okay. Do I need to watch Spectre, then? I mean, I'm sure you I don't have to, but it looks like it's kind hmm. of a continuation. Yeah. That'd be like a first for Bond, wouldn't it? That's like a, yeah. a direct... I think uh, all of I think all these Daniel Craig ones are pretty like they're they're not like direct sequels, but they're, they're they all isolated. are kind of related. Yeah, yeah, like Casino Royale. I haven't seen the second one, but I I do think that they all kind of are supposed to go together on mm. some level. Nice. Hmm. I'm really excited for the Wonder Woman sequel, Wonder Woman 1984. I mm-hmm. uh, really, really, really like the first one, and I'm hoping they can 
keep up that quality and uniqueness. Um, also, Edgar Wright's next movie, Last Night in Soho, comes out this year. I'm oh, really yeah. excited for that. Yeah. There's not much definitely. information about it, but it'll be a good, I'm sure. So. Yeah. Um, definitely second Tenant and Wonder Woman. I was actually just before the show looking at Wonder Woman, uh, like just, just images from Wonder Woman, and there's it looks so cool. Like the, the look of it and the, like the style that they're going for looks really cool. Yeah. Um, but I... I'm really excited for a quiet place part two. I'm really excited to see what, what they do with it. And like, I'm really excited to see, uh, John Krasinski come back and, and direct a second part to it. I'm, I'm really, you know, he's a, he's a fun guy to root for, you know, Jim Halpert. Yeah. Always, always rooting for Jim Halpert. And, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, want to see him progress as a director, as a filmmaker. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm really excited for New Mutants. Just kidding. I don't think that's ever going to actually come out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I'm really. I mean, this isn't supposed to come out till like next December. But Dune, the new mm. Denis Villeneuve Holy film. Fuck. Um, I mean, it's like going to be a whole year. But um, you know, Denis Villeneuve is like, I don't know. He's he hasn't made he's a bad not, movie yet. Yeah, and a thousand. One, yeah, each one has been pretty incredible and. Um, he's been doing a lot of sci-fi lately, you know, Blade Runner 2049 and Arrival and, um, mm-hmm. David Lynch did a Dune movie and, um, it wasn't great, but it does have a cult following for a reason. There's a lot of material there in the Dune universe and I'm just very curious and excited to see what Danny Villeneuve does to it. I'm also cautiously optimistic about, uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, um, mm-hmm. you know, Ghostbusters uh, 2016 um, aside um, I, I didn't think it was as terrible as everyone as a lot of other people did I thought it was just a fine movie but um, I don't know uh, the fan base for Ghostbusters can be pretty intense and I, I hope that I hope that the movie just comes out and it's a fun movie I everyone knows that Ghostbusters is my all time favorite so I I always thought this was the better direction to go to actually make like a legacy sequel instead of um, a weird sort of reboot type tongue yeah. in cheek thing that they did. But um, still, I don't really have yeah. hate for the 2016 one either. So um, I trailer just, looks really good. I I was really impressed. I, I, that's a really interesting way to take the franchise. I I totally agree. And who doesn't like Paul Rudd, right? Who doesn't yeah. like Game Man? Yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, so, um, that, that sums it up for this episode. Um, you know, the Academy Awards are coming up, uh, end of the year lists are coming up, a lot of great movies out in theaters. Go watch movies, people! Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should, we should plug our Star Wars episode, Nick. Oh, yeah, we, uh, we didn't release an episode last month, but we did release a Star Wars retrospective. It's two hour, it's two episodes, because we talked about Star Wars for, like, four hours, but if you want to break down the Skywalker saga with us, me and Sean and Cauche did, did, did just that. So, uh, that's on, uh, all of our channels, so check that out, and, yeah, um, that's why we didn't talk about Star Wars on this one. First of all, none of us, I don't think, would have picked it. But <laughs> if you want to hear our take on Rise of Skywalker, you can hear it on uh, hear it on that episode. So um, anyway, like I said, go watch some movies. Have a great day. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.